all is important to us. Hello and welcome to tonight's show. You've arrived at your destination. Connecting. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with my new friend Sandy Adams. We did an interview in the Deep Dive studio a couple of weeks ago and you'll be seeing that. You'll either have seen that or you'll be seeing that over on Iconic.com. So we won't repeat everything that's there because that really does deep dive into all of this content about Gender 21, the Earth Summit, Gender 2030 and all of Klaus Schwab's little plans. Um, but we will briefly cover that in the first 10 minutes. Sandy, I had a great time chatting to you. It felt like my first kind of proper show. We had books out and we could see how they've written these things. And some of the stuff that you came out with, I didn't know most of it um, or it solidified what I thought I knew, if that makes sense. Um, sometimes I need people who who know the stuff better than me to kind of confirm what I think I know, if that, yeah, if that makes sense. And you really yeah, did. And we're okay. going to do a series together. I'm going to make that happen because this is the important stuff. And it really goes deep into the occult and the worship of Earth and how that's been used. So, Sandy, thank you for joining me. Let's start with how this current situation came about. And maybe we can start with how they've used the 1930s idea of transhumanism and brought it up to date in, in sort of like in the Earth Summit, Morris Strong. How did this kind of first birth, this, this, this ability to use our guilt and shame of how we might have be destroying the Earth and uh, how, they, how have they weaponized that? Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, the Earth Summit was, uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, it was held in Rio de Janeiro in, in, uh, in 1992. Um, and it was really, it was, it was, it was a way that it was the, the, the means they chose to try and bring in global governance under the banner of, of um, you know, the planet's dying and we've got to do something about the CO2 levels and um, and so really it was it was brought in to save Mother Earth and that they, they talked about saving Mother Earth, saving Gaia. And this whole environmental movement was was born again because it had been it, it was it was born uh, prior to that in the 1930s in, in Columbia University, where uh, there was this the technocracy movement of the 1930s, where um, there was there was this this whole um thing that, that they'd been through a terrible depression in the United States and they needed to to troll they wanted to get rid of politicians basically and and the economy as it was get away from the price-based economy and bring it into a carbon economy um or a, or a yeah just sort of a, an energy-based economy and so I think what happened is the business Brzezinski saw this he saw that this had already happened in the 1930s and thought what a great way of bringing in global governance let's do it all again and so they you know they launched the earth summit and they got 178 countries to agree to this um this uh, this this system of of, of sustainable development they called it of of literally uh, bringing in uh, policies that would um, bring about the, the carbon economy. Um, but prior to that, of course, all these billionaires who were involved in the Earth Summit had already invested in the carbon 
banks and, uh, and, and the Chicago Climate Exchange and, and uh, institutions like that, so they could make a profit, a big profit. And mo interestingly, most of the, you know, a lot of the, uh, the people involved in the Earth Summit were oil billionaires. You've got, you know, you've got Maurice Strong and uh, you've got Al Gore, you've got all these people that had invested heavily in oil. So suddenly they were saying, oil's really bad, you've got to invest in, and yet they, you know, they carried on being oil oil magnets. That's really confused me, Sandy. <laughs> I don't understand that. And I've confused a lot of people. So could you kind of explain why they would do that? Are they hedging their bets? Have they seen what's coming? Um, I, th I think they're just thoroughly dishonest. I think they, <laughs> I no. think they know that the oil is 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 actually um, you know is infinite, um, and that they can carry on being oil billionaires. But at the same time, they can guilt trip the entire world into thinking that um, there's peak oil because we did have the whole peak oil thing in the nineteen. I think that was eighties, uh, wasn't it? Peak oil happened, and interestingly enough, that the chap that really went on and on about peak oil was um was uh mk hubbard who was studying at columbia with you know with the technocrats mm. um and so i i honestly believe that this is some this is this is just billionaires being billionaires just trying to make a fast buck on a on a big fat lie basically yeah so what is the carbon economy how does that work well, in the uh, you know the, the the way that they described it in um, in in tech, well, the best book to read on this is Technocracy Rising by um, uh, by Patrick Wood. It's an amazing book. I've got it here somewhere. Let's have a look. Where is it? I think I have it here. If I install my yeah, this book here, Technocracy Rising by Patrick Wood. It is amazing. It tells you all about the technocracy movement of the 1930s. And it go, he goes into in great detail uh, of how the carbon economy um, was, was, was set to work in those days. And basically, you instead of uh, setting your, your price on um, with money, you actually, whatever product you've got, you've got to work out how much energy that product took to make. So you go back to the cotton fields. If you're buying a shirt, you go back to the cotton fields. Who picked the cotton? How much energy did it take to pick that cotton? And then how much energy did it take to turn it into a shirt? And then you've got the, the transport that takes it to the, you know, to the, to, the, to, the, to the manufacturers and then transport that takes it to uh, whoever's making the shirts or selling the shirts, the retailers. And you work all that out. And it's a bit like, you know, at the moment that, you know, you, you get, carbon offsets with 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 planes and 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 stuff like that it, it's all it's all it's all basically how much things cost to, to create and that's how you and it, it's tokens if you like it's tokens so, so it's carbon credits car, carbon credits you trade carbon credits and so that's they would they um so how would that work on a daily daily basis so let's give us a my brain's fried so it's give no, us like a scenario so if i open the fridge say and i get some milk out and shut the fridge that is kind of like is it like your smart grid your smart meter is showing yeah. you how much yeah. energy you've used to do that and you only have a certain amount of energy a month to use or, or they would yeah. give you credit for the amount of energy you've saved on on a basis of say you get 50 credits a month and you've only used 30 credits of energy you would carry that over to the next month 
Yeah, that's it. I mean, every human action has a cost and a value. And that's that was made clear at the Earth Summit that um, I think it was George Bush said, uh, this is the, 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 the biggest re-engineering of society the world has ever known. And every human action will have a cost. And I think that, you know, in 1992, not many people understood what that meant or what that looked like. I think now we do. Um, because that, that is exactly what they're saying, is that every, everything you do will have a cost and a tax. And that's, that's how they will control us, basically, um, in, in particularly in the smart cities, because with all the technology that they have available now, um, with intelligent fridges and in, you know, intelligent tariffs and you know, trying to, I think this is why they want to get rid of things like gas. They want one energy that they can monitor absolutely fantastically, which right. is why they want to get rid of anything like gas and, and fuel, uh, wood-burning stoves and all that sort of thing. Um, by 2025, they want all of that gone from our homes. Um, so I, you know, it's how they're going to achieve that. I mean, it's 2022 now. I have no idea because they will <laughs> have these wild predictions of what they're going to do and they always fail in their goals so who knows how they'll do that but that's that's the idea is that they have one electric tariff and uh that will be heavily controlled and taxed yeah so you will become neurotic so guys if you're listening to this and thinking so everything you do will have a cost so you're just every little movement you will be constantly neurotically thinking about how is this going to cost me my carbon credits so you will become a neurotic robot who's scared to do anything that seems yeah. like the case here like in an abusive relationship where you're too scared to do anything because you know that there's comes with a consequence so like you, it's a flip of what they've taught people to do now they're very overindulged, mm. especially in the US. You can have everything. You're, you're overly abundantly eating, doing everything. And they're flipping that on their head. And now you're going, everything you do has a cost. And, and not only no it costs you, way. it costs the yeah. next person. So guys, exactly. may, so this vaccine thing of you get it to protect me is a way of psychologically manipulating and training people to go, your effect is having an effect on the whole. So every little movement you have affects others. This is yeah. exactly what's I mean, happening it, here. It, I know you can, but the audience. Yes, it's a typical commentarian <laughs> ideology. Where sorry, my dog seems to be barking. Hang That's on, okay. <laughs> You're right. No worries. So, guys, it is it is that kind of mad training that you would think everything that you do has a carbon cost, and then we'll get to later why they've chose carbon and the kind of occult meanings behind that and the fact that they've used it to say you're saving the planet like you're saving granny um yeah instead of saving yeah. granny you're saving gaia exactly i mean the the whole thing is and it, and it is a, a you know the, if if you look at the uh the commutarian um uh sort of the the description of commutarianism it's all about uh your rights come underneath the rights of the community. You don't have any rights. The community have rights over you. And this is, this is, this all sounds very worthy, but actually, you know, it's very ill-defined and it doesn't work for those in charge. You know, the, the, you know, if you like the, the, you know, the, the, the people that are imposing on 
this on, on everyone. They have a different set of rules. And so it's not, it's not for the greater good, it's actually for their good, you know, for the, for the good of, the, of the, the people that are gonna make all the money out of all of this and already have done. I mean, if you look at, you know, how, you know, the, the, the PPE and the vaccines, they've made fortunes on that and the PCR tests and that, oh, it's just unbelievable. So all of this is not done for the greater good. It's done for the good of the corporations and the big boys. Yeah. So later on, I want to come to some of these little boys or big boys, whatever they want to call themselves, like the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and then even some of the maybe the bloodlines that really sit behind them that people never talk about that are really in the shadows. Guys, we still do have uh, um, royalty and we do have all the royalty bloodlines here. They've just sit yeah. in the shadows because they've realised it's, it's easier for them to just sit behind a political system and um, that's just theatre. So what I want to talk about now is, is um, let's just cover a little bit more of that. Maybe these, these uh, the Global Earth Summit, obviously they come up with these 17 goals and sustainable development. How does this work and how does this fit into their plan to kind of make you feel guilty about killing the Earth Gaia? Um, well, it, it, it's mainly, most of them concentrate on poverty and um and in environmentalism, basically, and that is really what it what it's all about. It's about making everyone equally poor, um, and and controlling all the resources. I mean, that's what the seventeen goals. If you look behind them, they sound very again very worthy. There's all this inversion goes on, and it's all you know. We want to, we want to end poverty, and we want to we want to, to end hunger, which but is a then, feeling. <laughs> exactly it's a feeling yeah. um but you know what they want to do is actually control you know the, the the food supply they want to control um you know the 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 money supply you know the, well they do control the money supply but they want to control uh, and make everybody equally poor with you know universal basic income will do that very successfully so it's it's all it's all in double speak it's a bit orwellian well it is orwellian obviously it's orwellian but it's like double speak or groupthink or whatever you want to call it it's it really is an inversion of what it really is yeah and that's where the occultism comes isn't it so oh, yeah. these green new deals sustainable development um there was a bit one of the books that you you, you read to me and i can't remember the book of life for the life of me and i really want to get it so i need to ask you what book that was and you read out a paragraph where they they detail that humanity is humanity's biggest problem can you kind of explain yes. what that book that was from because that that yeah that was from the um the first global revolution um and i think i've probably got uh i've got that quote here i don't know whether i've got it here in the hallway but it basically what they what they what they were doing is in these there were three main uh, club of rome reports which are think tanks really the club of rome are great for chucking around ideas and coming up with solutions or solutions in their eyes for for how to uh, how to help humanity um, and of course it's not about helping humanity um, and one of them was was uh, the, fi the final one was just before the Earth Summit, 1991. It was called The First Global Revolution, and it was written by Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider. And they, and, and Alexander King was, I think he was a member of the Club of Rome at the time. He probably was the head of the Club of Rome, I can't remember. But anyway, he, it was his idea that uh, they should chuck around ideas of, of how they could unite 
humanity under a common crisis um, and get a, get a common uh, solution through that crisis. So they said, oh, we thought about, you know, uh, famine, floods, you know, global warming, uh, earth, you know, sort of earth, you know, sort of tectonic plates and all this earthquakes or whatever. And they said, and we thought global warming would fit the bill. I mean, literally they were chucking around ideas of, of how can we create an enemy because all the enemies had gone. I mean, the Second World War was over, the First World War was over, the, the Berlin Wall had come down a couple of years before in 89. So they needed a common enemy because globalists need enemies. Let's face it, to create fear, you need enemies. And they decided that the enemy that they, they had identified, the next enemy, would be humanity itself. And that quote um, actually says that. I mean, I could get it for you if you like, but no, it's it, you fine. Know, it's we okay. just spoke yeah. about it in the last one. But that was the idea, was to identify an enemy in order to create human beings as being the enemy of mankind. And, and that's why we are demonized. We're not, you know, in the whole of Agenda 21, you know, the environmental movement comes before the humans. You know, we've got to save the planet. But, and you think, well, okay, save the planet, but what, you know, we've got animals and things, but if there's nobody here, Who's going to enjoy that planet that we've saved? And it will be them. It will be their playground, perhaps. I don't know. But, it, you know, the whole depopulation uh, program, which was really instigated very early on in this, you know, before the Earth Summit. You know, they've been talking about depopulation for many, many years before that. So, you know, it becomes a nonsense, really, that they made us, us the, the enemy. Yeah. It's absurd when you look at the likes of Bill Gates and his his connections to eugenics and the fact he was raised in Planned Parenthood, which is a eugenics cult. Clearly, they've tried to cover that up when you go on their website. They basically say, no, we're not a eugenics cult. I was like, you did protest too much, quite frankly. Um, but Bill yeah. Gates was. His dad was head of Planned Parenthood. He openly talks about being able to lower the number of people. Have you ever heard of this club? Because this brings up what I want to talk about, the guy stuff later, and it's connected to Oprah. Now, Oprah was pushing this woke agenda, this, this awakening agenda with, with the likes of um, some of these authors that she had on in the, the 90s. And that's when it started. But this club yeah. is called the, um, the Good Club. They're called the Good Club and they want to save the world. Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. This is incredible. So the names of some of the members are familiar figures. Bill Gates, George Soros, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, David Rockefeller, Ted Turner. Ted Turner is a known eugenicist and oh, he openly absolutely. talks about it. But there, yeah. and it says in this article from The Guardian, and this is, is um, from 2009. I found this a while ago. So um, he said the, da, 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 the meeting called by Gates, Buffett and Rockefeller was held in response to the global economic downturn and the numerous health and environmental crises that are plaguing the globe. It was in some ways a summit to save the world. It's in 2009. No wonder that wow. then when the news of the secret meeting leaked via the seemingly unusual source of an Irish-American website, it sent shockwaves through the, the, the worlds of philanthropy. Can never say that. Um, developing aid and even um, diplomacy. It, it's really unprecedented. It's the first time a group of donors of this level of wealth has met like this behind closed doors. No, it's not. It fucking isn't. I've been doing it forever. In what is an essentially a billionaire's club. Um, so this was called the Good Club. And my reason why I bring this up is because Oprah was part of it. Now, what is Oprah Winfrey doing as part, mingling in there with the Rockefellers, Ted Turners of the world? Um, Oprah Winfrey has been pushing this woke Gaia agenda, this... Yeah 
since day one, since the early 90s. We all know she was connected to John of God. She all knows she was connected to Harvey Weinstein. She's also connected to Dave Geffen, who runs Hollywood and all everything that goes on there. And no one speaks about Dave Geffen. Michael Jackson tried to, and that's why they went after him. Michael Jackson yeah, yeah. rallied against yeah. Dave Geffen. And when you look into that, you'll realise why they went after Michael Jackson. Um, but aside, this comes back to, so all this stuff we've talked about is to save Gaia. It's the cult of Gaia. So could you explain mm-hmm. to me what your kind of understanding of this cult of Gaia and why they chose the planet as a, as a kind of as a thing to kind of guilt trip us in? <laughs> it's interesting because you know do you remember James Lovelock um I I don't know whether he's still alive he's a he wrote a lot of books um about Gaia and 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 he spoke about peak oil and all that kind of stuff and he was very very big in the 1990s um uh you know there was this whole uh ideology that um you know we were we were destroying the planet and you know that that the whole coastlines of the UK would be underwater by 2020 and all this sort of thing and um he actually did a big u-turn you know he James Lovelock by the end by the time he uh I don't I think he passed away actually by, by the time just before he died he actually realized what he'd done and he he woke up but this the the the, the, the whole um Gaia principle it's interesting because it goes right back to I mean I I kind of did at one point I did an agenda 21 timeline I'm such a nerd but it it, I went right back to the news sphere um which was in in the 1875 they were talking about the news sphere and about um preserving planet earth and and then you've got people like Cecil Rhodes who were really into this environmentalism and he would destroy uh whole tribes of 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 indigenous people in order to to sort of what he thought was was do the right thing for the for the planet or whether he was just plundering it I don't know but all I know is that it it, historically it's always been a way uh for um rich bloodlines if you like to uh to, to 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 seize land and resources off off the off the um of indigenous people and the WWF you know that goes back years as well the W and Cecil Rhodes had a lot to do with the WWF but it it, I think it's just an excuse really it's it's been created as a you know we know that it's it's a pagan thing it's a pagan worship of nature um, above the human being Um, and it's I think it's a very new age thing as well. I mean, it's sort of, it's been adopted by the new age movement, um, you know, particularly in, in a town like Glastonbury, they all talk about Gaia and goddess worship and all that sort of thing. And the thing is that it's, it's, it's very divisive. I, I find that, you know, uh, the whole town here is, is kind of divided with um, between men and women, for instance. And that's what it, it seeks to do. It's, you know, Mother Earth, and it's all about, in, in particularly in this town, it's all about goddess worship, and 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 men are men destroy the planet. The goddesses all, you know, they nurture the planet, but actually the reality is very different, um, and there's a lot of division goes on. So I I don't know. I think I think it's been used by um, the, the 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 New Age movement, and we all all knew that this would happen. I mean, Maurice Strong, in you know interestingly when he had his 
he had a ranch in um, uh, in America called the Bucker Ranch. And when he was trying to promote this environmental movement, sustainable development, he and his wife, Hanish, I think she was, Hannah was um, Scandinavian. They used to have uh, temples to Gaia on their land. Um, and they used to invite all these uh, gurus and world lead, you know, sort of religious, you know, the Dalai Lama and, and you know, Buddhist leaders and all sorts of people to the Baka Ranch to, to promote this whole theory of, of Gaia worship. And really, and you know, it, it's to get, it's to pull people in, it's to pull people in. And possibly, you know, they are doing rituals, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure absolutely, they yeah. I mean, people don't actually understand that. They don't get the occult backgrounds of these bloodline families. And that's one of, I think, the hardest things to get people across because they don't, they, they say things like, why would they do that? Why would they do these things? Why would yeah. they, other than greed, and it goes deeper than greed. And I know we talk a lot about they just they want to make a lot of money, but it does go deeper than greed. They feel like that they are at the very top level, these bloodline families, that they are, that they have a right to rule, a divine right to rule, a bloodline right to rule that goes all the way back from what I can tell to Cain, Cain and Abel. Yeah. And I'm not saying yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm saying they believe this. I'm saying I, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't necessarily believe. I think they're mad. But they believe this they believe that they have a divine right to rule um so the likes of the rockefellers the rockefellers kind of sit in front they're more public than the other bloodline like these real bloodline families the rockefellers mm. would have married into these bloodlines by the way the yeah. rothschilds would have married into these bloodlines they mm. wouldn't have been part of the original bloodlines they would have been allowed it in allowed it in that's not a word allowed in allowed it um allowed in to do a certain uh, play a certain part now Rothschild means red shield it's my view that yeah. re- that they are there to shield the rest of the families they take a lot of the brunt yeah. to to yeah. so people don't look any further but they are actually further up the chain than the Rockefellers let's talk about the Rockefellers because they've got their hands in everything at the moment and they've also comes something called the great transition that people don't talk about what is your kind of understanding of the great transition of the Rockefellers? Well, the great transition is is is, is the Rockefeller foundations um a version of the great reset isn't it it's um uh, but it's very shadowy not many people know about it and to be honest I haven't read an awful lot about it I know it's there I don't know if you have but it's almost as though it's in the background waiting for you know once the reset's in that the transition will come in because that's all about transhumanism isn't it Mm -hmm. I believe it's all about bringing in this this whole thing so I I you know (sighs) They are, you know, they, they do seem to be the, the people who are the face of, of you know, the, uh, the new world order, if you like, the, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. But behind them are other, other families. You know, you've got the Schiffs and the Warburgs, and as we know, you know, the 17 bloodlines, or 13 bloodlines, isn't it? Um, and, you know, you wonder how much, you know, how much they are being controlled as well. Um, and... It's, it, it is interesting because I mean, I was doing some research really, I've done it the last few weeks about the, the Rockefeller Foundation. It was started, it was actually incorporated in 1913. And I 
I can see that behind all of the, the, the shadowy organisations like the Trilateral Commission and the Council for Foreign Relations and the Bilderberg Group and the, w, and the, and the World Economic Forum, all of these have spun, even the United Nations itself, uh, incorporated in 1948, all of these have sprung really from the Rockefeller Foundation. Um, they've all sort of just literally mushroomed up in, in a chronological order from that so I think you know obviously the bloodlines are behind them but they are the face of it and they, they seem quite comfortable being the face they're very you know you, you can look at all their documents you know the, the 2010 lockstep documents all of that they're very in your face and they don't hide anything at all so maybe they're the ones that are supposed to be there as the front men you know I don't know but that's the way it looks to me anyway yeah. Same here. The, uh, one thing I found was really odd that Rockefellers were part of and assisted with the initial kind of setting up of Alcoholics Anonymous. And they had um, the Friends of the Rockefellers. Now, what a better place to find out dirty little secrets about people um, than a, than a, <laughs> a an Alcoholics 12-step meeting or a 12-step meeting yeah. for, for drug yeah. addicts. Um, that's where people openly talk in the safe space. And guys, these people exactly. do these things and they did fund the, the initial startup of a uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, which has done incredible work. I'm not 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 knocking what they're doing no. at all. I just think it's an interesting point to see how far reaching these these families go. You mentioned something earlier. I just want to come back to you before I forget. You mentioned that, that we needed they needed a um a baddie a um a bad an enemy. An enemy yeah. That's the word. Baddies is very is what my <laughs> my son enemy. my yeah. son might say. Um, an enemy, and you said it's humanity itself. But another enemy I think is being set up behind this, and it's by Elon Musk. Elon Musk keeps coming out and keeps saying that AI is going to take over humanity if we don't level up and come become part of it. Now, I think that's a little um, drop in the ocean for the future to say that when that if the Gaia thing, the humanity climate change thing falls on its ass, next it will be technology will be the enemy. Oh, yeah, perhaps I, you know, that's interesting. Well, you see, the thing is it, the, the whole idea is that they merge us with with the AI. So in a way, both of us become the enemy because they they really do. I mean, it's transhumanism is 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 merging the the flesh with the machine, literally. And, and Elon Musk talks about this, doesn't he? And so does Klaus Schwab. So uh, you know, either way, we lose. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's yeah. whether it's us or the AI, uh, if we're merged with it, then you know it's it's the same thing, and maybe that's what they're setting the human race up for. I don't know. It feels like I that's a know. kind of like a hint towards a little breadcrumb to come back to. They drop these yeah. things in your, your mind, and obviously we see Netflix completely just indulged, and that's controlled with oh. transhumanist films, and they just constantly yeah. even kids' films, transhuman, Ready Player One, Metaverse, and all of this stuff. So let's move on to the um, the transhumanism agenda then. So where did this come from? I know it goes back to the 1930s you mentioned earlier, but but why is this such a big part of what they're trying to do? Because it doesn't seem to go hand in hand logically what unless you understand it with the say the earth stuff well it 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 does you see this this is the this is the the lie you know they they talk about um they talk about you know nature and being green i mean there's nothing green about the green movement as we know it today because it's it's backed up by the technology so there's nothing green about a smart city. Mm. Uh, there's nothing green. There's no nature. There's nothing. There's nothing really. 
it's almost as though they've they've separated the human beings have got to be with the AI in the smart cities and the nature is just left alone because we mess it all up you know that's that's the way that's their thinking is and when I read the global diversity assessment you know that great big book there was so much about oh we've got to have we've got to have you know the human settlement zones and the court corridors in between because people cannot be in nature because they mess it you know basically we've destroyed it and you just think well is that true i don't think so i think it's the, the big corporations that you know rio tinto have destroyed it not not the you know the man in the street we we actually are very uh you know we're, we're good we, we sort of you know we do our bit you know look at us all we recycle we do everything that we're told to do to help save the planet and yet, you know, it, it's the corporations that don't do that. So it, it is a, it's a nonsense. I mean, the whole technocratic agenda, there's nothing green about it and nothing is anti-nature, it's anti-human. There's nothing, there's nothing really other than uh, progressing this AI agenda, which, which you, you wonder where that comes from. I mean, I, you know, I look at it and I think, well, anybody that has any um any sort of seed of humanity would not be thinking of an agenda like that you know because it is the end of the human condition if it if it does progress i mean we human beings will simply cease to be and is that really uh is that really a, something that we want no we don't most people don't anyway yeah um there's a lot of people that do they think they think oh wow ai it's fantastic but I just don't get it, really. <laughs> no, but this is the human 2.0 situation. Um, yes. And this has a lot of hermetic principles. This is a great book, guys, to read. This is The Alchemical Tech Revolution by Wayne McCroy. And this goes into what they're doing and why the occult reasons, the hermetic principles behind the um, the artificial intelligence technocratic agenda, which has a lot of occult reasons that go back to Gollum and things like that. And and, and yeah. it has a real, real occult situation. It's, it's a technocratic version of usurp. They're using it to usurp God. We see the Tower yeah. of Babylon coming at the moment and they're changing the meaning of words so we can't communicate we understand like in canada right now where they're saying look that basically it's it's an act of violence to have an opinion to say it out loud words are an act of violence now it can't yeah. be an act of violence if it's not physical we need boundaries but what they're doing with the transhumanism transgender agenda is they're taking mm -hmm. away boundaries so we yeah. can't understand what we mean so I can't say something to you and know that you know what I mean. We're all second guessing what we're saying. And this comes back to, again, the smart cities, the, the, the carbon thing where you're worrying about every Too little scared, thing you do. Yeah. Too scared yeah. to do anything. And that's yeah. what they're doing. And they're doing it in here. So we yeah. end up being subhuman because everything that makes us human and free is our ability to just fuck up and do weird stuff and try things out and that's what they're doing and i believe that a part of the agenda of transhumanist agenda is changing the way we think and the way we think to behave and when you live in a smart city where everything you do is controlled like 1984 and seen do you long do you do you still behave human when you know someone's watching when the camera's on i'm not richard that the same richard when the camera's off and imagine being the camera on all the time kind of let's yeah. get your take on that kind of psychology yeah no absolutely it, it is that whole thing of of being observed all the time you you can't be natural you can't you can't be yourself mm. and um you know that that's the whole thing about 
being free and and you know sort of you can't be free if you can't have those you can't be a normal person under oppression it, it just doesn't work and I don't I don't really understand how they can I suppose they're, they're just doing it because they don't they don't really care they just want us to be uh, oppressed but that the the whole what's going on with the truckers is extraordinary um you know taking you know controlling their bank accounts and yeah. and and you know not giving them you know simply the basic uh, requirements to live is is unbelievable and i can i i almost cannot believe that this is happening at the moment and and we're watching it happen mm. and not one not one uh leader of any country has come out and spoken and said this is wrong now that bothers me so much because Obviously, this is a blueprint for what they want to do to all of us, yeah. because not one global leader has, has, has come up and said this is against human rights. This is against uh, democracy. No one has done that. So we know that this is what they want for all of us at the moment. And we've got a real fight on our hands. You know, I, I, I want to believe that we, you know, because... You know, I've always lived in, in hope, which is why I've been talking about this for 12 years. I've always lived in hope that we would actually wake up and 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 deal with it and, and be able to get through this. We, you know, we've got a we have got a we've got a, a challenge on our hands because what they want is 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 us to just buckle under and do as we're told, you know. Yeah, uh, there's a couple of things there where you said that, that, that there's no other world leaders have spoken out and i also want to come back to the cashless society thing later on because that just if anyone thinks that bitcoin's going to save you i think you've just been proved that you you were pissing in the wrong bucket because that's ridiculous if, as soon as they turn the internet off your yeah. cryptocurrency currency is no longer anything it is nothing when yeah. you're when you're mining cryptocurrency you're sitting on your ass when people yeah. when kids used to mine down the mines they were actually building something physical and yeah. they've taken physical world things and stuck them in in the metaverse you're not mining anything you're not doing anything you're just it's the thought that you're doing stuff but that just i'll, I'll leave that side minutes so we'll come back to cryptocurrencies later and why mm -hmm. it's such a bad idea to to have a cash society but you just mentioned there that no no other leaders global leaders spoke up well, there could be a reason for that. Is the Young Global Leaders of World Economic Forum? Can you speak about that a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. Even you know, even um, even Putin has done the the global leadership, which makes me realise that, that that he's one of them. He, mm -hmm. He's you know he's advancing into into Ukraine. They've they've all planned this. You know, this is this is a distraction from the pushback. You know, and it's interesting. Today, I was I was listening to a. Uh, Wall Street analyst and he was saying you know at the moment they can't hide they can't hide the the deception at the moment because if you look at on Wall Street if you look at Pfizer stocks are tanking um, Moderna stocks are tanking what's gone up is the funeral funeral part you know the funeral business has gone up on on Wall Street and it's only gone up since 2021 not 2020 so deaths have been big business since 2021. And, and the other, the, I think the other thing was, oh, insurance, insurance claims, because people are claiming, in, you know, insurance claims against what's happened to their relatives. And all of this, they cannot hide the, the bodies piling up. 
So what are they going to do? I mean, if you look at it, you know, you can't you can't lie about stocks and shares going up and down. It's a reflection of what is happening in the world. And so how can they buffer that other than creating a massive distraction somewhere else yeah. and putting more fear into us, it, doing it differently, you know? And is this a desperate attempt? You know, it must be. You know, and what would the outcome be? We don't know. But all I know is that I, I believe that Putin is one of them. He's in it as well. I mean, I don't, I don't hold out any hope that he's, you know, he's not in it because all the global leaders, as you say, Macron, Trudeau, Merkel, um, I mean, all of them, uh, Jacinda Ardern, they've all been in Klaus Schwab's school for dictators. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're not coming up because they, they're all on the same agenda. They want this to happen. They want us to be um, controlled and depopulated and everything else. Yeah. It's incredible to watch, isn't it, how this has rolled out? I mean, I do think they've gone too fast, too quick, too soon. I do think they've completely yeah. popped this up and they know it. And they something panicked them about six, about six weeks ago, two months ago, but in the UK when they were trying to push out the Omicron thing and that fell on its bum. And then they tried to convince us that the global warming was going to come. And I was in the train station in Derby and started to see the um, climate change. Sorry, it's called climate change now. Um, I notices on the wall. And they were gone quick as well. And they tried it. They tried to say someone died in, I think it was New Zealand, a woman of climate change. change. People just laughed it off at the COP2. People just laughed it off. So they realised that that weren't going to work either. So yeah. they, they panicking. Either, of course, they're panicking and they're, they're looking stupid for doing so. But the problem is me and you understand, like you to a much greater degree than I do, um, understand what's going on here and who these people are. But the main people, but people in Maine, Maine, the general public have no idea what any of this is going on. We live in a different world today. Do they wander around and think, I don't take masks off. Boris said this today. They have no oh. idea. How frustrating is that for you? I know I I find it absurdly funny, but maybe that's my coping mechanism. Because <laughs> yeah. um, it's mental. We're like, we live in the sale asylum and we're not insane. Yeah. And yeah. we have to wander yeah. around going, fucking hell, none of them have got any jackets on. And yet, and yet we're the ones that people call crazies you know yeah they can um, say what they like I, I don't take any yeah, of their judgments yeah. if i know what they are and and as far as i'm concerned you can say what you like about care, me I, I don't care i don't put your your level of um your your level of labeling me as any esteem at all so so you don't know what i know and you haven't done the research so as far as i'm concerned unless you can come with me come to me with some research and 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 sit down and talk about this stuff if you don't know what agenda 21 is you don't know what the world economic forum is you don't know what the project for new american century is you don't know what the bilderberg group is you don't know what lockstep is you don't know what um uh, the, the not even the new world order because people all know that if you don't know what smart grid is you don't know what the Rockefellers are you don't know bill gates is you don't know plan permanent you don't know all of this stuff and i can go on and on and on and on if you haven't researched any of this stuff then yeah. you don't have a leg to stand on with me i, I don't you need to know this stuff to be able to converse about it. I live, this is the stuff that we've spent years, almost a decade myself looking into, and I'm still learning stuff every day, but I see the patterns of behavior of this cult. I just want to come back to, um, to Columbian university because you mentioned Schwab there and, um, that's where Soros Schwab, what was going on there? Because it seemed to a lot of incubated the thought process, the ideology. Yeah, I mean, right, right up to sort of uh, probably present day. I don't know because I have, I don't know who's going through Colombia right now. But
but you can bet some of those um, those global leaders are, 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 are there. But Columbia University, that's where the technocracy movement of the 1930s started with, um, uh, with, with uh, the political scientists at that time and the technical sort of social scientists and engineers and technocrats sort of put their heads together in a facility at Columbia University to, to try and figure out this carbon economy. And it's interesting because they shared a facility there with IBM in the 1930s, you know, very early computer, um, you know, sort of technology. And it's very, it, it is interesting that IBM then, you know, during the war got involved with the punch card system of categorizing different e ethnic you know, minorities sure. in order to round them up into, into the camps. And it was a, a punch, you know, it's that punch card system called the Hollerith system because IBM bought it off Hollerith, who was a guy involved in the, the census of the 1930s. And he, he devised this system of categorizing people. So by 19, whenever, whenever the census was uh, in Germany, every single person was able to be categorized so they, they, they knew who, who they were and who, who they would come for to put them into, into the camps. You know, Sounds they like a digital ID system. Yeah, all of that. So it, 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 it is interesting. Anyway, that aside, yeah. uh, so that the, all the technocrats were, were mixing with the, with, the, with the IBM people and coming up with ideas. And then the technocracy movement in the 1930s got kind of shelled because of uh, World War II. Mm. Um, and it was it was Zbigniew Brzezinski who also was at Columbia University. So Schwab, Brzezinski, Kissinger, um, who else was there? Uh, there was uh, there's, there's quite a few of the big movers and shakers were. Uh, oh, that's the Amitai Etzioni, the the commutarian guy who devised the whole commutarian system to kind of push forward this agenda, this weird sort of ideology of, um, you know, a communist in, in methodology, but uh, in, in ideology. Uh, no, no, that's it. Sorry. Capitalist in methodology, but communist in ideology. He was at Columbia University as well. So they've all been there cooking up a storm, really, in, in Columbia University. And, you know, you, you look at Klaus Schwab's um, you know, his CV. And he was there for quite a while with all these others, like, you know, sort of uh, Soros and, and, and all that lot. They, they were there cooking up this whole thing, this political, if you like, they were political scientists and they were trying to figure out a way that they could steer humanity into this, whatever's happening now. It's incredible, isn't it, to look back, IBM, um this connection to Bill Gates. Also, I've just found out Warren Buffett was there, obviously, and also yes, Barack yes. Obama. That's it, Barack Obama. They've all been through Columbia. Or Barry, as he's really called. Yeah. Um, old <laughs> Barry Barma. Chelsea Clinton went as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's quite a lot there. That, yeah, I mean, some a lot of famous singers for some reason, but also they're the political names that I can find. But mm. um, IBM, you mentioned there, IBM, the a lot of the board members of IBM were very close to Bill Gates' mother. Bill Gates' mother sourced the initial funding for Microsoft from the board members of IBM. So it shows you there oh. that the connection from IBM basically seed funded Microsoft into existence. 
Um, yeah. So I was always in control of Microsoft from day one. And Bill Gates obviously is a is connected to Planned Parenthood and eugenicists, and these connections just go on and on, don't they? They they never yeah. stop. And it's a very small group of people. And these are the surface level of people. These are the yeah. It is again. It's like blood. It's like family bloodlines. You know, yeah. when when you look at uh, you look at all that, you realise that um, you know Klaus Schwab's father was was a was an engineer, and with uh, I think he had a engineering company called Escher Miss or something like that in Ravensburg. Now Ravensburg was a was was all part of the you know it was it was a place where they they were using child uh, not child labor but slave labor in the mm-hmm. factories then, and he actually progressed the the uh, the Nazi war effort you know so the you know I think I can't remember his name I think his name was oh, I can't remember now his name's gone out of my head but Klaus Schwab's father and you know he 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 got involved also in in trying to develop nuclear technology in the apartheid re- regime in South Africa in the 1960s so he you know they they're not they're not ethical people they, you know, they, they, they've, these bloodlines go, go way back, you know. They do. I mean, Bill Gates, there's a, there's a, a lot about a great kind of, I think he was a, he was a distant ancestor of Bill Gates and he was, um, he found a land, he, he found it, he became, a, he was a pirate basically. And he, oh. he came across a land that he took over and proclaimed and be owned and he became the mayor of this new part of i think it was america um new part of what was it new zealand um if you look into it guys you'll find i can't remember the top of my head but this goes back mm. hundreds of years so it was it was a couple of hundred years ago it was a distant ancestor so the gates family were were part of this this kind of bloodline for a very very long time so he went there and you don't just turn up and go we'll have this bit of land these people have power for a very long time so the gates family were stealing land yeah. hundreds of years ago and it's doing grabbing. the same now land yeah. grabbing it doesn't change they do exactly the same things 100 years ago of this stuff he even has a patent out on a bit of technology that basically can turn you into a rat on a wheel it's called it's 666 is is 060606 is the bit of um tech i'm sure you know about this yeah, yeah, um yeah. and it turns you on a, bat, a, a rat on a wheel mining bitcoin for them it's just insane when you look at this and they're trusting people like gates isn't it, it it's it's really, really weird. You, can, you, you said something in, in the interview, you guys, go and check out the interview on Iconic that we did together, but you talked about the smart city that you set up in the 90s and you were working on this mini smart city when you start to realise, hang on a minute, there's something going on. I love that little story because it was like, it's how far <laughs> it goes back and you were incubating a tiny little smart city. Can you just talk about that briefly? Well, um, I, I, I I didn't intend to to work for the big corporations that seem to be the bad guys now. Um, but I felt I fell into it because I, I was very I was very naive. I went to art school. I, I studied theatre design and I, I worked in theatre and I loved working in theatre. I used to paint big backdrops and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I got into set design and um, in the 19 sort of I suppose it must have been the uh, the early 90s. I. Uh, I, I'd got a mortgage to pay kids to feed and all that stuff. And I, I slipped into working for corporate live events and I was working for quite a big production company in Frith Street and they, their clients were Microsoft and uh, they'd been asked to um, create this, um, I suppose you'd call it an installation uh, for, uh, for, for Microsoft. And it was really, they, they called it Microsoft Life. And it was it, it had to be an intelligent 
London Square. Um, and so we had to create this London Square. And I was in charge of basically everything, <laughs> creating it, you know, finding the location and turning. We found a disused school and we turned it into a London Square. And I put all the, you know, I, I put the railings in and the trees and there's grass and the benches and all the street furniture. And then around it was, was, was school buildings, which we turned into a, a cafe, a business, um, a house. Um, and I can't remember. Oh, and there was obviously a delegate centre where all the delegates would come to buy the software. Um, and it, it, Bill Gates flew in um, from, uh, from America and he was picked up by um, a chauffeur and taken to, I think, he, no, he was helicoptered from, I think it was Heathrow to Battersea and then chauffeured in. And he was interviewed uh, by Trevor MacDonald on this, on the, in this, house that I created um, and all everything was interconnected um, everything in in Microsoft life was a mini smart city it was it was they got cars in the square that were intelligent you know with sat nav and and it, then it was all kind of brand new stuff it was what sat nav what's that you know yeah. and 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 intelligent uh, everything was intelligent intelligent in the house there was intelligent fridges and in everything was wired up. There was digi frames that, you know, you had paintings that changed. And there was a lot of um, business technology, things, you know, interconnected, talking to each other. And for weeks before then, all the Microsoft techs had been in there wiring it all up. And um, I just began to think, do you know what? This is really weird. And I, I did meet Bill Gates and I thought he was a bit strange, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and um I just thought this is I don't it gave me a really bad feeling didn't mm. like it and um and and then I, I I did work for Google and I met Eric Schmidt and I had the same feeling and and Bloomberg and GlaxoSmithKline and and all these people and I, I had to get away had to get out of it and I, I mean in 2008 I just gave it all up and said I'm not doing it anymore and I ran away to the West Country and um made myself poor really <laughs> I took over a pub and made a music venue <laughs> that's great though. Yeah. And then they closed down yeah right oh bless you so that's closed so this has had a real impact this whole last two years on you on your business yeah big time big time yeah my my business I I did five months of lockdown and because I'm you know doing what I do um and I, I did I did used to use the music venue for doing talks you sure. know and uh, yeah. And in, in, you know, sort of getting people to, to try and understand what's really going on. And after doing five months of lockdown, I could see that this was going to go on and on and on. Mm. And I thought, no, I can't do this. And, and luckily, someone bought the lease off me. Um, right. And I've, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really, yeah, it was difficult. But, was. you know, you know, you're on the right side. You know, it doesn't matter how, what happens to you. You just keep, you don't compromise you know and that's what I feel anyway I feel that I've been true to myself and hopefully um and we're all on the right side of history you know all of all of us working on all of this we're on the right side you know yeah. do you know do you feel that um do you feel that the the alternative media as much as it is it is and obviously there's people in the alternative media that come on and jumped on it and taken advantage of it in the last couple of years and haven't been around don't really understand this stuff um, people like ourselves I mean you far longer than I have I'm, I'm still 10 years in but I'm, I'm not like as far in as a David Icke or yourself or, or an Alex Jones I, I, I look up to people like yourself and Richie Allen um, 
do you think we had an effect on on stopping this in the UK? These and the protests because something happened, something spooked them. Do you think this actually getting this information out has had a massive effect over the last two years? And do you think I without do. yeah, do you think we've had a good effect? I really effect? do. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, I remember in the early days of the of the protests, I remember doing you know going to in fact in fact D- David was there at one of them on the twenty sixth of I think it was September 20, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it turned nasty, you know. The you know the yeah. territorial support unit came in, and I, I I thought, do you know what? This isn't going to stop us. You know, they were they were brutal, and I thought this isn't going to stop us. We'll we'll just carry on. And I got a lot of criticism for for speaking at Trafalgar. I only did it once at Trafalgar Square. Um, and I got a lot of stick and they, people saying, oh, protests don't work. You know, why are you playing into the hands of the, you know, the powers that be? They just want to do it to bring in martial law. But actually, those protests were extremely, extremely important for people to. And, and they were peaceful. You know, by the end of it, the police left us alone. Yeah. And I did go on the, on the marches. I didn't speak, you know, because it got to the point where, you know, why speak? It's it's only egos, you know, you just literally just march. And but mm. um, I think what what was sad about that is that it was all blocked from from the mainstream media. So we, we were in, you know, we might as well have not been there for, for the for most Joes on the street. You know, they didn't know we were doing it. But for the people in the truth movement, it grew because, you know, we, we did pick people up along the way yeah. who saw, you know, who saw, you know, YouTube and bit shoot and all that and how how big the protests were and it makes people realize that they're not alone and i think that's really important i think that the, just to see how they sprang up elsewhere around the world yeah. everywhere around the world then you can't i don't think anyone can deny how much of an effect they had the uk was the biggest and the yeah. quickest and then yeah. it sprang up everywhere and hundreds of thousands millions of people across the world made a huge difference made a the difference in my opinion and i never went to one of these things i've got a little boy couldn't get to them but i should have done and i need to go to one and that's no, something like no no i do if i can I, I do my what i do my bit here trying to get the information across yeah. learning this stuff and doing the interviews but i need to get to these things i'm quite a kind of i like i'm not uh i'm not I'm not a big crowds person but the but i need to go and um and then but these things shouldn't a huge difference they really did. And you can see how they changed around the world. The same way these truckers' convoys have changed around the world. We have a, an ability and there is a source here where we see things working and they happen elsewhere. And I think that's a, a connection that doesn't come through the internet. I think that's a connection on a soul level, if you want my, my deep and level opinion. There's something being done. Mm-hmm. People getting together and supporting each other in the hundreds of thousands, it can't do yeah. any harm. So exactly. people that were saying that they weren't doing anything, it's utterly nonsense. It's clear that it did. It's clear in Austria they're rolling back stuff. Clear in New Zealand they're rolling back stuff. If they and clear in England, it never even got off the ground really, other than some masks and a bit of a pain in the ass here than there. They never really got it in. In Scotland, it's starting to roll back as well. That's because they couldn't get it as far as they wanted. I believe this has been a beta test for 2030 anyway to see what they get. But they've been taught a lesson: is that if you push any harder, it's going to be a much bigger pushback. And next time. You're not going to get away with it as quick as you did this time because 10 years isn't a long time or nine years, eight years you're going to have to do it in. Isn't a long time. Well, you're going to need to do it in seven years. That's not a long time for people to forget. It might be from the end of World War II to now, generations, but you're dealing with the same generation of people. And I believe they've made a massive fuck up here. 
by going too fast, too quick, too soon. And we're not going to see that maybe play out until they try it again. But I think they're aware of that, that they went too fast, too quick, too right. soon. And um, I think they're frightened. What do you think they're kind of where they're at now with this? Because we see the distraction in, in Ukraine. But where do you think they're going next? Because a lot of people are like, OK, what next? We're ready. We're in the corner. We've fought our way out. But, you know, like an abuse victim, we're not we're still we're still on, on edge. We're still on waiting edge. for the next punch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've got the adrenaline going. And it's it is, uh, you know, it's difficult to know what they're going to do next. I mean, I, I don't know. At first, I thought they were going to throw another virus or, you know, fake yeah. virus at us. Um, you know, they, they kept talking about, you know, Ebola and, and, and you know, Marburg or whatever it's called. Um, but that, that nobody would fall for that now. You know, they, they've almost done the whole thing. This is burnt out, I believe, yeah. unless they and they're not going to they're not going to release something that that is that they can't control. Sure. They won't do that because they have to control everything. Yeah. And that's why they didn't really you know, the, the, the illness was in the vaccine, not in, okay. you know, okay, there was something that was making people, uh, you know, have, have, have bad reactions, but not as much as the vaccine. I mean, those boosters have, you know, sadly um, dispatched a lot of people and, sure. and the, the myocarditis and the, the heart. I mean, I'm talking to doctors, um, you know, I'm, I'm on this sort of thread um, and we, we talk on Zoom on a Sunday and, they're saying they've never seen anything like it. They're literally every hour a young person is coming in with, you know, heart problems. So there's something so hideous in that in that in that booster. Oh well, um, you should say so, say that. I got a letter from Great Ormond Street where I was at as a kid. I don't interrupt you, but it's pointed on this part. Um, yeah. I, and um, on the back of the letter, it said, "If your um, I've got it on my phone somewhere, and I can't remember. It was something about if your child has a heart attack." You don't have much time to react. Your child has a heart attack. But what made even more sick? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's normal, is it? And it was on the back of Great Ormond Street, a letter from Great Ormond Street. That kind of really that did upset me and like on many yeah. levels because that's terrifying parents. And you're normalizing something that you know is an effect from the jabs. You know that. Unbelievable. I mean, it, it, it breaks your heart, actually, that yeah. that some that, you know, children have been subjected to this. And we don't we don't know uh, to, you know, how I know it's bad, but it's going to get worse. You know, the, worse, the, yeah. you know, it's yeah, it's it's a tough one. And what what can they do apart from create World War Three? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do next, because if Putin is in this, which I believe he is, mm. um you know what could be worse than World War Three, and and will they use that to just cover it all up and, and get what they want through some other means, some other sort of mm. yeah yeah. I don't see how they get to the technocracy, technocratic world. We've got about ten minutes. I wanted to just show you this to prove you guys. This is what I got through. I don't know if you can see that, but that is what I got through. So can you read that? It I says when your child have... has a heart attack. Yeah. The one thing you don't have is time. That's on the back of the Great Ormond. Why would your child have a heart attack? On the back of the Great Ormond Street letter. Um, I'm absolutely appalled by that. Unbelievable. That's going out, and there will be that. That will be on on buses. That will be on on underground. That will be on these Mm -hmm. bus stops. 
yeah, that's yeah. the sort of shit that we're dealing with. And then you get Prince Harry coming out saying you need to get regular HIV tests. Now, what could possibly I mean, make your immune yeah. system collapse? I, I wonder. I mean, I'm scratching my head. I mean, one minute they're saying get the booster, get the booster. And it's, oh, by the way, get an HIV test. Go figure. Why? What? Mm. You know, why? And you, you know that, you know, that that there's something pretty hideous in that that's depressing everybody's immune system and that it's been designed to do so. And this is what Fauci was doing, you know, with with the AZT vaccine in 1980, whatever. You know, that it's, it's just that same scenario playing out again. And it, it's it's wicked. It's it's beyond wicked um, because, you know, they, they, they won't call it AIDS, but, you know, they'll say it's immune deficiency, which is what AIDS is. They they'll call it, it something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. It. And this yeah. is why this is a death cult. And you mentioned the word. Dave has talked about it. You, you mentioned that actual term when we did the interview um, for Iconic, um, which you guys can watch on Iconic.com either this week or it's out already. Um, depends when I put this one out. But you mentioned a death cult. And it comes back to the Gaia thing, and I'll loop back round to their occult, their occult beliefs. This is a, cult, a death cult, isn't it? You're looking at, you mentioned Fauci there. He's a Jesuit. We a, know that the Jesuit connections. Yeah. yeah. It's a blood sacrifice of, of, of human beings and children. And, you know, it. people think you're mad when you talk about the cult, but... You know the, the 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 paganism as you know as we as we know, you know the whole Canaanite thing was all about blood sacrifice. You know, and that's that's the way they they appeased you know their their gods if you like, and you know it's 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 just bringing it into the twenty first century, and I don't think it, it's never been anything else. It's always been there. You you look at the you know the 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 was it the, the Romans after the Romans there was the Mithras and they used to slit bulls throats and all that kind of weird weird stuff and it's no different it's no different it's just uh it, it, and we know that these these secret societies go through rituals like this we know that and it's yeah it's it's horrible what's going what's going on right now is 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 it is it's a sacrifice of humans and that Massive. comes back to this Nazi Fourth Reich mm. element. Do you think there is a Nazi kind of Fourth Reich element? Is this just Nazis? Is this is that part of it? Are they still with us now? I know you've got I've got Jim Mars, the Fourth Reich, um, the Rise of the Fourth Reich book here, and I know he had connections, obviously, to, to, to other things that people have said a lot about, as they always do in this in in, in the alternative media. Mm. They they label this and label that. Why you can't trust this person, that person. But if you look at the information in there. I wanted to interview a guy and sadly he passed. That to me makes it quite clear that the Fourth Reich, the the the, the, the Nazis never went away. No, no, they didn't. I mean, it, it pains me because you know my father, bless him, he fought he fought the Second World War. He was, a, he was a squadron leader, and you know I looked to him as a bit of a hero when I was a kid. You know, he saved us from tyranny. Um, and he went to his grave thinking that we'd won the war and we didn't, we didn't. It carried on, it carried on sort of underground, um, you know, through Operation Paperclip, um, you know, the, all of that, the, 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 the scientists, the, the, real, the people that died, that were, 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 
you know, hanged, hanged in the, in, you know, in the Nuremberg trials. There were, I think there were seven doctors were hanged in the Nuremberg trials because their, their defense was, oh, well, we were just taking orders and that didn't wash. Mm. But the real, the real scientists behind all that were just shipped away to America sure. under Operation Paperclip. And it just continued. And this is what we're seeing now is that, is that, is that nothing is, it's always the same thing because the bloodlines go on. The same history repeats itself constantly. And the only way it won't is our raising of our, our own consciousness on, on all of this. And not, not in a Gaia way, not in a new age way, but on a soul level of, of us actually understanding that this, that, you know, understanding what's really, really going on with these bloodlines and with these rituals and with, uh, you know, the, the the sacrificing of, of humanity, the only way that it will stop is, is when we all literally wake up and realise what's going on and stand up against it. And people are doing it, you know, people are doing it. But yes, it's that the Nazis never went away. Uh, we didn't win the war. Um, we were just made to think we did, you know? Yeah. Is this a shame? We won the battle, but we ne- we didn't win the war. We won the battle on the surface, in yeah. a sense, or we just pushed it further da- back down the line. Or, or and I think yeah. we could look at that. So let's take that as an example of what's happened here. I believe that we've won this little battle, or at least we've we've blockaded it. But yeah. they're still there. They're still with us. Do you see, see as in the sense of those seven? I believe you said um, Nazi scientists that got got thrown under the bus there we're going to see these young global leaders they're the sacrificial lambs here for this if this goes tits up yeah i mean it was funny i was i was listening to um anna de busseray the other night and she was uh she talks a lot of sense and and she was talking about um the fact that that you know after the nuremberg trials certain standards were set with the geneva convention and and the, the Human Rights um, Act and all that sort of thing. And, and yet it's still going on. You know, we've got all these, all these, these you know, the, the Nuremberg Code is not a law. That's, that's the other thing, it's a code. So how, you know, how much teeth does all that have? Um, and really, are we going to go through an inquiry? Because at the moment, nobody seems to be taking, being held to account these days for anything. So will, will that happen or was that a historical thing that nowadays people aren't held to account? I mean, you look at our politicians. I mean, they do whatever they like and they get away with it. Years ago, uh, you know, you, if, a, if a politician was found to be doing something uh, unethical, they would have to face the music and be kicked out and, or hand in their resignation. That doesn't happen now. So I don't know how this will resolve itself because will they be held to account and is the nuremberg code you know enough to do that i don't know um so i don't think anything going through their system is going to work do you do you believe before we we wrap up this the reason why they're not being held to account is because we've been told that and we've been taught that we need to reason with these people we need to rationalize with people we need to be peaceful with these people how long does peaceful how long does peaceful get you until yeah. you are in a smart city with a chip inside you? How peaceful can you get when someone's attacking you? And I believe that this has been a psychological game on human beings to say you need to take the higher ground. You need to go. Do you know what I mean? Don't lower yourself to their level. 
How can you defend yourself if you don't take action to defend yourself? That's sacrificial. That's going, I'm going to put my, my, I want to be seen as moral. Moral, yeah. I'm good above actually defending myself. Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting point. Um, You know, people go on and on about the, you know, the right to bear arms and they say, oh, it's violent to, to want to have guns. Actually, it's an act of, 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 you know, sometimes it's a necessity. If your if your government are, you know, if 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 they are if if they're if they're at, coming at you, yeah. and and attacking you on this level, is it is it okay to fight back? And I think it is right now. Of course now. it is. Yeah. And I think you know the the trouble is that what what will happen is is you know these truckers, you know they've got that you know they could get guns they could have they probably have got guns mm. and if they use them uh it would then be turned against them do you see what i mean because of the propaganda it'd be yeah, oh they put, pulled the guns first which isn't true but everything has to be recorded i think and i think there's nothing wrong with us taking action you know i i really i mean that sounds inciting to violence no but, but this is not- what i'm saying so when you we say these yeah. things that are actually like self-defense we, we are automatically programmed yeah. to go now i feel like i'm inciting violence you're yeah. inciting self-protection that's not inciting violence that really really yeah, isn't and we need to get to the level where we go yeah. we take that back and go okay here's my boundary and if you cross this boundary then this is what i'm going to have to yeah. do and there's no back and it comes back to transhumanism it comes back to the greater good and it comes back to taking your vaccine to save somewhere else where is your boundary mm. your mm. self-protection and again yeah. you see what i'm saying so this is all yeah. in your mind of no longer are you important it's the greater good that's important. It's the moral good that's important. It's you yeah. can die for an ideal that we're all lovely people. When actually, in fact, the people that are attacking us don't care about whether we're good, bad, anything. They just want us dead. So exactly. they have convinced us that we need to be morally good while they get to be morally abhorrent. Yeah. Um, do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it is almost like a you know a, a correctness a political correctness that we've got to be uh, peaceful we've got to be well behaved when they aren't you know when i saw when i watched yesterday the police advancing towards the yeah. convoy um and it was a, an act of complete aggression it, it was, was awful and the, the convoy i mean if you look at canadians they're the most peaceful people in the world and they are being challenged right now and i i you know it it is. It, it it's it's a heartbreaking thing to watch those people being attacked on such a you know on multiple levels. It's it's awful. Yeah. And I, I you know I really hope the Canadian what they need is the Canadian people to get behind them. Mm-hmm. You know all of them, and then they'd have something to you know to worry about those police. And maybe the police would actually then think, well, do you know what? We're with you, and that would be the win. But that's what what really has to happen is the military and the police have to get on the side of the people who they are there at the end of the day to protect. That's where the money comes in. That's where having imagine how bad it would be if you had a social credit system, a social credit score that and they're doing that in Canada, that if you went and supported them, your money would be cut off. This is the problem. This is the issue that they're having over there. And this is a great example of why we can never allow this to happen anywhere in the world, Absolutely. ever, ever. You should never be allowed to let someone else decide whether you can feed your family or not. 
ever yeah. give them that power. Um, and this is what it's all head to. And it's yeah. all been done in the guise of the cult of the greater good. Cult of the greater good. And yeah. it's an Except inversion. It, yeah. It's an inversion, exactly. It's all it's all inversion and and mirrored, and it's uh, again, it that is that's another another kind of uh, occult thing, isn't it? Inversion. And that's what they're doing. You've done incredible work, um, guys. Please go over and check out Sandy's work. So, where can people find your your work, your articles, your videos, um, and, and connect? Um, yeah, I've I've got to update my YouTube channel, but I, I've I've been so busy, I haven't updated everything. But it's all there. I mean, the, the whole Agenda Twenty One thing. You know, I, I talk about you know the the what's happening to our farming industry, the rewilding. You know the you know the, the fact that. Uh, all uh, just about everything is being you know broken down so that we don't have any you know we don't have any resources um and it's uh, it's all about my my website is um sandyadams.net and that's s-a-n-d-i-a-d-a-m-s.net and it's um it's called agenda 21 2030 understanding agenda 21 2030 and the great reset um and yeah there's a lot of information on there and uh, yeah, I'm on. Um, I'm still on Facebook. I am going to come off, but I, I don't. I don't have Twitter or Instagram. I'm quite low level because <laughs> yeah. I find I get sucked into it too much. I can't bear it. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I'm about okay, anyway. All right. Well, I'll put all the links below. I'm only on Instagram, so I've been chucked off. Actually, you're back on YouTube now, but that ain't going to last very long. Um, Bitchute and YouTube, you can find us and guys, and this will also go up on iconic.com, but it will be free to watch on Bitchute and it will be free to watch on YouTube till they take it down. Um, and um, also I'll post clips on, on the, the Instagram channel and the, the, the Telegram channel, which is all I've got left. Sandy, this has been a great, I love chatting to you. I really feel like, like we could just talk forever about these things. There's so much to yeah. learn, so much to yeah. chat about, and we're on the same wavelength. So I hope guys got a lot out of this. Please do go and watch the iconic interview that we've done together where we go more into detail of the actual nuts and bolts of what's going on but i wanted this to be more of a discussion of kind of like not going over things that you can find sandy talking about elsewhere and all your kind of feelings of, of, of what surrounded it and why this is happening and what it's going to lead to and what it's going to look like to you so guys i hope you enjoyed this please leave comments below and share and i'll speak to you soon take care goodbye thank you your call is important to us Arrive at your destination. Connecting.